Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. My guest has ADHD, but he doesn't see it as a problem and instead works to leverage it as a benefit. He also has low empathy, but here too, he finds times when it's actually a benefit. I'm back for part two with Matt McWilliams. Uh, we previously talked about the message in his new book, Turn Your Passions into Profits. Such a great talk on working at what we care about. This is my values, motives, and habits episode where we go behind the curtain to find out what drives Matt and how he lives from within his passions. He does admit that ADHD makes it hard to practice quiet time, which he knows is important, so he works to achieve that. He shares his journey of losing 88 pounds, which he cites was holding him back and why. In his work and with his team, a primary objective is to ruthlessly protect their downtime. And regarding work and money, we discussed a line that I had pulled from his social media where he says, I vacillate between wanting to change the world and wanting to be independently wealthy by the end of next Tuesday. You can pre-order Matt's book that we talked about in part one. Uh, it's called Turning Passions into Profits. You can pre-order it now at passionsintoprofitsbook.com slash self and get over $700 worth of bonuses. Uh, just go to that URL and you'll see what they all are. Passionsintoprofitsbook.com slash self. Thank you for tuning in to this self-helpful podcast. It'd be great if you would leave a review. Tell us what you think about the show best thing you can do is talk about something of interest that you hear today, something of curiosity, something you're grappling with. Talk about it with someone else. Keep the discussion going. You can find me, connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Uh, thanks to a handful of you this week who just went there to say thanks for the show and mention some certain things about episodes. I appreciate that greatly. Tells us what to better bring to you in the future. Next up, the values, motives, and habits of Matt McWilliams. Matt, we ended our last discussion, part one, talking about culture and mm. connecting with people. This is it right here is going through. So what's <laughs> Matt about? What's, so if you're going to work with uh, yeah. all the people you can work with on your business, here you can find out what Matt is uh, about. And that's why people like this show because we do. We go behind the scenes and mm -hmm. find out what the values are. And I think people want to know that in this day and age where we want to trust the people that we're working with. So... We're going we're gonna to find out about you uh, for better and worse. You ready? Yeah. All I right. told you this is my favorite I episode. Well, I appreciate that, man. You said that this is your yeah. favorite episode, and I hear that so often. To it's, listen to. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, the first one is spiritual. I know that that's a big part of your life, but I like this concept of looking at, okay, what are the, when you get that word, what, is the, what are your values? We don't often get that asked. You know, we talk about what's your spiritual beliefs or whatever. What are your values? So tell us. You know, um, I mean, my value, like, so, so spiritually, I mean, it all comes down to, for me personally, my relationship with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's what it is, you know, and, uh, that's not to say that if you don't, I'm not one of those people who make, that doesn't make you a bad person and all that fun stuff. But, you know, for me, that's the, that's like the highest thing. If I'm, if I'm serving him, 
if I'm doing the things, you know, Bono from U2 said, like, spend less time trying to get Jesus to join your walk, and why don't you join the one he's already on? Hmm. And uh, I probably butchered that quote, but that's what I'm trying to do every day. Um, I know at the end of the day, at the end of the week, you know, that if I've done that, all the other stuff, not only will it take care of itself, but in some sense, it really doesn't matter. You know, and and to tie that back from a you know from a business and a purpose standpoint, you know, for me, it it comes down to you know this is one of the things in the book is like that you know that purpose that calling like why does your business exist? Why do you exist? Why does your family exist? Like I don't know if we all realize that sometimes, but newsflash, our family doesn't exist just because it's fun to have kids and it's fun to have a wife or a, you know a husband like. We have a purpose as a family, and for us, ultimately, it comes back to you know to serving God, um, to doing the things from a from a habit standpoint that that play into that. Like, it's something I got away from for longer than I'd like to admit, but years. Uh, the regular you know regular just time with God, like spending time in His Word. Uh, and so I, I was working with a counselor. I have a, I have a counselor actually I work with specifically on ADHD. And he's a Christian counselor, though. And he's like, what's your quiet time look like? I was like, my what? (laughs) You know, like, oh, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I can't do that. Like, if I try to do that first thing in the morning, I fall asleep. And he's like, so what? What if you fall asleep? Do you think God's going to be sitting there, you know, you're 12 minutes into your, your your scripture reading, and he's going to go, gosh, that Matt McWilliams fell asleep again. Can't believe he did that to me. No, he's going to be happy you spent 12 minutes before you fell asleep. He knows that you have ADHD. He knows that you're going to, you know, get three minutes into Psalm 42 and go, oh, that reminds me of that song. Let me look that up on Spotify. He knows you're going to do that, Matt. And so for me, it ultimately, just from a practice standpoint, it's it's that time in the morning, that 15 to 20 minutes of sacred time um, in his word, praying, um, and really just reflecting on, you know, what is, what is he calling me to do today? What's that walk for me on, on this, this one day, cause that's all I got to do is one day at a time. Well, so let me ask about that. So there's a, so here's a value that you have is yeah. your spiritual walk. And for you, uh, a, a faith in Jesus in God, we can, if we want to broaden out, but to do that. And then you say, you go through this time longer than you want to admit, of not really investing in that. Is that fair? And and if so, it it, yeah. what happened? Did, did the value change or was it just a discipline of time management? What happened? Yeah, I, I think, so I've ended up having these very odd indirect things that I think my counselor knew would happen. Um, I don't fall asleep. You know, uh, I, I do a quick three minute exercise you know, when literally when I say exercise, I do jumping jacks, a few push ups, some, you know, some kicks and stuff just to get my blood flowing. And then I don't fall asleep. You know, um, I haven't done it once. I haven't fallen asleep once. But I think the the discipline, I think there is an aspect of discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, the this. Hey, I did it. I spent I did my 15 minutes. And it's not like, you know, I did my 15 minutes in that sense. But I, I did something that required discipline and I did it early in the morning and I. I did it most of the time before anybody else was up. Sometimes, you know, the kids will wake up early and they'll come down and give me a big hug in the middle of it. But I did something that I focused on for 15 minutes yeah. and I usually don't check Spotify. And I don't, I actually, there are times where I go, oh, it's been, it's been 20 minutes and I really do need to move on now. I've, I've got other stuff to do, but I kind of want to finish reading this story. You know, like I don't actually, sometimes I don't remember what happens next. A lot of times I do. Yeah. The, you know, the, the Israelites escaped Egypt. We all know they make it to the promised land, but they're 
elements of that even, which is where I'm at right now, that I forget exactly what happened. And I'm like, I just want to know. But that, that couple of years where I got away from that, and it's not that I never did it. It just became, it wasn't a discipline. It would happen sometimes at night. Yeah. Sometimes it happened, you know, at 930 in the morning, you know, and it, then it would happen here and it would, and then sometimes I would fall asleep and I, you know, and all those things were, it was just all over the place. I'd miss entire three day periods where I wouldn't do it. And for me, it wasn't that the faith didn't go away. Um, no, no different than, um, if I, you know, if, if I don't see the kids for three days, they don't disappear. I don't yeah. stop believing that I have children, you know, but that connectedness goes away and I lose in a spiritual sense. I lose the, the mission for me. I lose kind of that, that purpose. Uh, I get cranky. That's just a natural byproduct. I get very caught up in what's important to me, 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 me. How does this affect me? Everything's about me, you know, and I totally forget about the needs of others. Yeah. You know, and, and that it's a very slow, gradual process. It is not a overnight thing like, oh, I missed my Bible reading one day and I just became a jerk the next, <laughs> you know, but months, uh, years of, yeah, I kind of mentally became a little bit of a, somebody I probably wouldn't want to be friends with, you know, and, uh, very thankful that he turned me on to that because yeah. he used what I knew would work. Uh, he knew, he used what he knew would work. He used the fact that it was almost like a challenge. Like, I just want you to do because he knows if he pushes me and challenges me to do something, I'll do it, <laughs> you know, and I'll come to him and say, I've done it for 90 straight days, you know? So yeah. that was, that was what worked for me. <laughs> you know, on, on your book, which as you and I are on zoom and if folk, folks are watching the video, it's the banner behind you, turn your passions into profits. When you, yeah. you know, as you spend a large amount of your time working with people to take those things they care about and turn them into a vocational opportunity, a business opportunity. I'm going to guess that the vast majority of them find that purpose mm -hmm. in a purpose greater than again, the actual thing, like we talked about, you know, whether they're an accountant or they're the affiliate guy like you, or they're doing a podcast like me or whatever that, to really find that, that passion, it's connected to a greater purpose. Now, whether that's Jesus or God, now I have a lot of people on here as you've listened to this show who do not believe in Jesus, sure. may not even believe in a God, but they all, I don't think I've, well, I, I can say I've never had anyone on the show who does not directly correlate what they do to a greater purpose, which I'm going to say is the core of spirituality in general. But I'm going to ask, I bet that's what you find with pretty much everyone you work with. It is. I mean, it goes, um, you know, there's an old saying that like, you know, the only scorecard we have in businesses is, is the financials. And so, I mean, that's our, our scorecards are, are financial, you know, in our business. Uh, but for us, you know, our, our mission with the book, for example, is to help 25,000 people make their first dollar from their business. I know that the first dollar is infinitely harder than the next 99,000. Yeah. It's infinitely harder you know, than even the first million. Like if you can make a dollar, you can make a hundred thousand dollars. I'm just I'm like, that's what we've shown. It's the first dollar. There's a reason why if you go to a restaurant, I love it. You go to a restaurant and they have that dollar up there, you know, from their first customer, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a, think about all that went into making that $1. Now the restaurant has been there for 17 years, you know, making a couple thousand dollars a day is not hard. You know, a thousand dollars, whatever the numbers are, that's not hard. But that first dollar was so, I mean, the, 
thousands of hours went into that. And in, you know, in, in our business world, like what I teach mostly online business, uh, the, the principles are the same for, for offline, but in online business, we don't have that actual dollar bill. And so one of the things that we do for our customers, again, is a representation. So when you buy one of our courses, you'll get in the mail and it'll have a certificate and a dollar bill. And all we ask is that you frame it because we're not mailing frames because I don't know how to mail them and not have them break. Right. <laughs> you know, so go to a store, buy a frame, put that in there. And then when you make your first dollar, that first dollar is going into your PayPal account or directly into your bank account. There's no representation. We have hundreds, possibly thousands of students that have that dollar bill on their wall as a reminder. Like I did it. I made that first dollar. And the, the, the funny thing is, if you look at the students that we had that put that dollar bill up there, those are the ones that end up being successful. Very few of them ever give up. Yeah. Very few of them don't make it. Very few of them are still part-time four or five years later. So for us, that that's that, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I mean, we're helping them do the things that they're called to do that they can't do if they're not making money. You can't continue to run a business if you're not making money. That's not a business, actually. It's called a hobby, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, it's it's definitely deeper. And we talk about that all the time in our, in, in our team Slack, the stories that we're sharing are the stories of people who, you know, are, you know, breaking through those usually mindset obstacles and it has nothing to do with the tactics or strategies. No, we're talking about spiritual aspects, and you mentioned Bono, uh, which I assume everybody knows, uh, lead singer of the infamous band U2. Um, so I'm curious if you listen to because I, I keep getting texts from my dad on the family chat who's listening to Bono's new book, Surrender. Uh, this, it's on my list. Is it? it okay. Is, well, yeah, according to my dad, my according to Dan Miller, 48days.com, it's awesome, especially from a spiritual standpoint because he walks you through that. So, uh, okay, there's another yeah. confirmation I need, to, there's, I need to check it out. Uh, there's a video he did, if you want to look it up. He did a pretty lengthy video with Eugene Peterson huh. a while back, the guy who uh, did the message translation. Yeah. And I, I I won't like rehash everything, but it's just a fascinating look at, at those things. And so I know for me um, – like just earlier today, for some reason, I got the song 40. Uh, you two wrote a song, I mean, 30 years ago called 40. And the first line, you know, I waited patiently on the Lord. Mm. Um, you know, it's from Psalm 40. And, uh, and I just, I, for some reason, I just had that in my head. And, I'm, and, I, and it was like, uh, it was like a mantra, you know, for me, like, okay, there's a lot of things going on, on in our business, you know, and, and for me, you know, God, like, I know he hears me and I'm going to wait patiently. And like, oh my gosh, Bono, you too? Like, you know, how is it that they're impacting my spiritual journey? But it's kind of weird. Um, right. That's, you know, the, the, where we pull those from. <laughs> culture. They, they created a culture, yep. just as we talked about before. Okay, next one here is is relationships. And man, again, folks, if you didn't listen to part one of our talk together, go listen to that. I don't know what the episode number is right now. But uh, because on the aspect of relationships, I love your mm -hmm. story of you being hit, you said just recently with coming into your kids, you've been working with somebody in the parenting sector and you came in and realized, man, yeah. I just helped so many people have this parenting fruition that you're experiencing right now. Uh, so go listen to that show folks, but on relationships, I know that your family is a primary focal point for everything you do. So again, to look at that values, what is the thing that is at the surface right now for you with relationships, family, and, and then even further, you know, friends in general, just your relationships. Um, again, I mentioned the last show, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert and I'm one of those people who could quite frankly hole up in a cabin for weeks at a time and never talk to another human being and be perfectly content. 
Me too. We should you go know. on vacation together and um, not talk. <laughs> never talk. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at it and, and so one of the things that's really, it's, it's a challenge for me. All right. It's not something I was just born with is empathy. Mm. I'm, I'm by nature, I'm not an empathetic person. And, and that is probably the biggest thing I've had to work on with both, uh, you know, my, all, all, both of our kids and my wife and every other relationship is just that, that empathy. One of the books that completely uh, transformed my life is called leadership and self deception. Mm. Um, first time I read it, I was like, this is the hokiest, dumbest book I've ever read in my life. And it had no impact on me whatsoever. And it's because I was at a very different phase in my life. I was single and I was running a very successful company, you know, 52 employees doing, you know, a couple million dollars a month in sales. And I was in my twenties and we, by gosh, I had the corner office in my mid twenties. Like I made it dude. You know, this book means nothing to me. I only read it because it had the title leadership in it. And, and it's all about really, I mean, if I were to sum it up and I highly recommend it, it's just seeing people as people. And, you know, Stephen Covey talks about that paradigm shift when, you know, when the the family's on the subway and the kids are going crazy and the dad's like, I'm really sorry, you know, their mom just died. Mm -hmm. And I try to think about like, even applying that to situations where I get cut off on the road and I go, you know, I don't know what they're going through. Like they might, I mean, they might be coming from a funeral. They might be going to a funeral. They might be rushing to the hospital or they might just be jerks. I don't know, <laughs> you know? And so for me, that empathy side has played into with my kids, you know, realizing, okay, my daughter, she just has more feelings than I do. Um, she cried last night because we didn't go to hibachi. And you think, wow, what a spoiled rotten brat. That's my, that's my reaction. Cause I grew up poor. You know, my first nine years, I lived with a single mom who worked three jobs just to keep us on the right side of the tracks, but I could see the tracks from my bedroom window. And you didn't go to hibachi? Like you ate out four other times this week. I never ate out. Kraft macaroni and cheese was a delicacy in our house. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like unbelievable. I I didn't have those things growing up. So why are you crying? And I, and like, that's my, in, in my brain, what I do now is I just shut up <laughs> and I just let her cry. But in my brain, I'm going, what is wrong with you? I'll admit that. Like, I, I don't want to admit that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, how can you cry over the fact that we're not going to drop $120 on hibachi because the smells, your mom is coming overcoming the flu and the smells might make her sick. And, and so that's my default reaction is something is wrong with you. Hmm. And then I realized, you know what? No, it's just that she's more emotional than me. That's all it is. I take things in stride. She doesn't. She needs a little bit more coaxing. Um, on the relationship side, it's, it's always, it's it's always, it's probably, I don't want to claim this, but it's probably always going to be the lowest of the, you know, the seven spokes of the wheel. Yeah. Um, but it, it's getting better. And, and part of that is just learning to be empathetic with people, to see things from their perspective. And, um, you know, and understand that just because they're my children, just because it's my wife and I chose her just because they're my friend doesn't mean that they're exactly like me and see everything like I do. Well, 
We are kindred spirits, uh, Matt. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, I appreciate the humility of that, man. That empathy is a challenge. Uh, it is. I don't like I mean, talking about it, but I, yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to have for myself, um, which makes it hard to have for other people. And mm-hmm. yeah, having the kids is such a crucible to be in to how do I care and love for them well as they are different, but especially, yeah, as a, Gosh, you have ADHD, you're an introvert, and empathy is a challenge. So apparently we have the same parents or something. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, my... Yeah. Well, I, uh, thank you. Um, so I, I think the thing is, like, this is what I've realized is there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Um, I, I don't want an empathetic doctor, for example. Hmm. Uh, now, if I'm going through a long-term thing, I do want an empathetic right. uh, oncologist if I ever have to have that. I want somebody – because that's a long thing. Uh, a mer- ER doctor, I don't care if he's empathetic or not. I, in fact, I probably – I need them to be a little detached. Yeah. And that's actually uh, – uh, the guy who discovered – oh, I just I just read about this. What did he discover? Um, it wasn't the guy who discovered germ theory. Um, oh, the guy who invented chemo. He was a jerk. I don't remember his name. I think it was an Eastern European name. And he was, I think it was in Chicago. And, and he had no interpersonal skills whatsoever. Like no, even adaptive interpersonal skills. Like I have adaptive interpersonal skills. Clearly we work with clients and, you know, I'm pretty good at what I do and all those things. And I, I'm, you know, I'm a good salesperson and that's because I've developed those things. But this guy had no interpersonal skills whatsoever. He was a jerk. And when they when they went back, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell that wrote about it in um, I think it might have been Outliers, but I'm not sure. And he talked about this, that like it was that personality that was the reason why he developed. They, they basically took three drugs, which uh, individually were toxic and a fourth one that did something else. Again, I'm going to mess up the story. Exactly. Somebody probably knows better than I do. The fact that he he was willing to test those out on kids who were otherwise terminal, knowing full well that, it, that until they got it right, it would kill some of them. If you think about what that takes, you I don't think you can be the world's most em- empathetic person yeah. and do that. I don't think Mother Teresa could have done that. I don't. I couldn't, and I don't even have a lot of empathy. And I would. I, I couldn't do that to to kids, but he did. And it's what got us to the point where I think it was like Hodgkin's lymphoma went from like a 98% death rate in two years to a 98% survival rate in, you know, 10 years later because the guy didn't have that empathy. So again, same thing with ADHD. Uh, There's a lot of negative to it. There's also a lot of positive, any of these things we can look at them and go, man, that really sucks that I, that that's the way I was born or that's the way that I am. But if we look at there's a flip side to it and we if we can use it for the positive in it, um, you know, then obviously a lot of good can come out of it. Well said. Thank you. Uh, I'll take that. Hey, health and wellness is the next one. And I've been looking forward to this one because I, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, I don't know what it is. I remember at some point you and I talked or connected and you had just gone through a pretty significant health and wellness journey uh, yeah. and fruition. T- tell me about it. Oh, that it goes to who we talked about in the last episode, Alan Thomas. Um, Alan, uh, Alan was bold, and he called me up one day and said, "I've been a fan of yours because of your dad." Uh, he, you know, he, I did something with your dad, and uh, Alan 
saw me and just, you know, he saw, as he said, he said, like, I saw your heart and I saw your passion for what you're doing, but I also saw that your weight was holding you back. And it took me about a year to get up the courage to say something to you. And he finally, he called me one day um, and he said, uh, you don't know who I am, but I'd love a call back. And I don't know what made me call him back, but I did. Um, and I called him back and I said, all right, so what, what's this about? <laughs> you know? And he was like, well, I'm just going to be bold and say, I, I think I can help you. And I said, all right, let's do it. You know, he he told me about his story, being 304 and dropping to 175 and how he was helping other men do that. And I said, all right, let's do it. And he was like, really? <laughs> that was not the, he thought, he was like, I expected you to be like, who the heck do you think you are? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's a pretty bold thing, basically saying, hey, Matt, um, you're overweight and it's holding you back, but I can help. I went, all right. Um, about five months later, I dropped uh, about 50 pounds. I've dropped 88 pounds of fat. Um, I've actually put on about 40 pounds of muscle. So I really only dropped like 48 pounds, you know, um, and uh, completely changed my life. And so from a health and, and, and nutrition perspective, um, really what it came down for to me was I had to have rules kind of like I said with my daughter, my rule is I shut up. Now I do that out of love. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, people were like, well, that kind of seems like an odd rule. No, I do it out of love because I already know I'm smart enough that after 11 years of having her do this and reacting the way that I want to react and seeing it never work, that maybe I could love her enough to not react that way and see if that works. And the, the reaction is to shut up. Same thing in in, nutri- in health and nutrition. It's non-negotiables. It's rules. So, for instance, uh, I don't eat sugar before dinner, like any sugar whatsoever. I mean, like a piece of fruit, but that's that's it. You know, uh, I don't eat sugar more than once a week. You know, and that's we're at that time of year where I might break that a couple times. Right. It's, Chris, it's <laughs> Christmas. Come I on, just got to be honest. Like yeah. we're gonna yeah. have pie. I'm gonna have pie back to back days. Yes. You know. But I'm not trying to be productive. Then. But for me, I have to do that because, I mean, the reality is, like, we all know the studies, you know, sugar is 100 times more addictive than cocaine. I have an addictive personality. It's why I don't drink. It's why I don't, you know, do drugs or do anything that I could possibly become addicted to, you know, because I know myself well enough. I had an alcoholic father and and it goes deep in that family on both sides. I just don't, I choose the only way I, I can't have a glass of wine. Maybe I can, I just don't think that I can. And I don't want to try. So for me, it's, it's like, it's no sugar. Occasionally I'll have some again, late at night when I know it's not going to send me off into a tailspin and I'm going to end up eating the entire cheesecake because you know what? I've eaten the entire cheesecake yeah. before. Um, my non-negotiable it's on my calendar, um, 10 30 to 11 30 every day today, we started recording this at noon. So I bumped it up to 10 to 11, it is non-negotiable. My assistant knows you do not schedule anything during that hour without running it by me. And I have to adjust my schedule because that is my workout. I, I don't work out two hours. I don't work out more than about an hour a day, but I work out really hard for an hour. Um, and then beyond that, you know, supplements, of course, I, I've done the research. We could certainly debate, and I'm sure you could point to some study that shows that such and such supplement doesn't work. But I can point to 15 that do. I've read all the books and studied it like it's nobody's business because I care about my body and I know how, you know, things like ginkgo. Um, I mean, you can look at the the uh, the spec scans of my brain before and after ginkgo, and it looks better. Like mm-hmm. it looks significantly better. Um, 
you know, I take, make sure that I eat things. My wife hates fish, can't stand the smell of fish. So I can't cook salmon in the house. But when we go out to eat, I'm probably going to eat salmon unless we go to like a pizza joint. Um, and I take the fish oil and all those things. So for me, it's just about the non-negotiables. Like we ran out of oregano oil yesterday and I'm a firm believer. There's a reason why I haven't been sick in three years is because I've been taking oregano oil like it's nobody's business. So when we ran out, it's a non-negotiable that we are going to the store today to get oregano oil because I'm not going to take the chance that if I miss a dose, I might get sick right when I can't get sick, yeah. you know, in the, in the time when everybody else around me has the flu and half of my daughter's team is missing that I coach because they, they're sick. I'm not sick. And that's not to say that for you, oregano oil is the thing, but it's like, for me, those are my non-negotiables. And when I make them non-negotiables, uh, it makes it really easy on my, my ADHD brain to remember all I got to do is just work out during this time. Like I, I just, I show up, I have a, an at home gym. I, I'm not one of those people who's going to go to the gym, Kevin, because there's too much inertia. You know, I got to get in the car. I got to make sure I look nice. I don't care what I look like when I work out at home. I'm not posting these videos on Instagram, Yeah. you know? And so I wear the rattiest workout shirts you've ever seen and I don't care, <laughs> you know? So for me, that's what works. Back to Alan Thomas, you know, connecting with yeah. you and, and feeling like it was holding your weight was holding you back. How was it holding you back? I didn't know it at the time, but I was so unbelievably self-conscious hmm. and I knew that there was a disconnect. Uh, uh, the term I'm looking for, I cannot think of it. There was a, uh, it's basically a disconnect between our values and reality. Um, a lie. You can call it a lie. Like cognitive dissonance? Is that what you're? Yeah, yeah, cognitive dissonance. There's another term I just cannot think okay. of what it is, unfortunately. It'll probably pop in my brain at a random time. That's how my brain works, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, and so there was a disconnect for me between reality and for, between my reality and what I was telling other people. You're telling people start a you know, start a side hustle, live your passion. Um, wake up and you know, you can run a business starting out, just wake up forty five minutes early. And put a little bit of time in and maybe, you know, put a little bit of time in the weekends. Hey, work hard. And I'm going and stuffing my face full of 4,000 calories at dinner and not never working out. You know, for me, a workout was a long walk. Yeah. It wasn't quite as bad, bad as Zig. I wasn't pulling the plug and fighting the current. But, <laughs> right. you know, right. I mean, I, I wasn't living that value of, you know, yeah, we work hard. And what, what kind of a value am I, am I living at the age of 40 when I'm saying, you know, here I am, I'm your guide, I'm your champion, I'm your hero, for lack of a better term, like we write about in the book. I'm here to lead you. But look at me. <laughs> you know, what kind of example when I really get down to the, the crux of it, what kind of example is that for the kids? I, I, tell, I told Alan one of the biggest things I discovered that I love, not every day because we homeschool, so sometimes they've got stuff to do. My kids come work out with me. Hmm. And sometimes workout means that they lift a few weights, they get on the rowing machine for 10 minutes, and then they hang off the pull-up pull up bar. Right. Seven and 11, what do I expect them to do? You know, go hard at it for an hour and, you know, do 15 sets of shoulder presses? No. But they're doing something. You know, and, and, and there's a reason why our daughter at 11 years old, um, there's a reason why. I mean, she's the only player in her team who can kick a ball two thirds of the way down the field. It's because she's got legs. I mean, like, dang. Why? Because at her age, it doesn't take a lot 
to do a few leg extensions, a few squats, a few leg presses on the machines, yeah. you know, things like that to build that. And, and it's not about like that. It's just about that mentality that even at this age, they're thinking about the things that are going to make them healthy. Yeah. And then we're doing it together. And we're down here and I get to watch him. I've got so many videos of him. Like, you know, he, he dead, he's seven and he's, he's a little bit small for his age. Probably, I think he weighs like 48 pounds and he deadlifted 120 pounds the other day. Wow. That would be the equivalent of me deadlifting 750 pounds. Just it's, like for an, the yeah, it's like an ant. You know, yeah, and, and he's like, and he gets, and he finishes and he goes, and like, you know, like, and he's like, dad, look at my muscles. I'm like, in my mind, I'm going, I don't see any, <laughs> you know, cause it's just nothing. But I'm like, yeah, man. You know, and he's over there doing pull-ups and stuff like that. And like, that's the impact that it's had. And and like, what a, what a cool thing. And, and, and Alan was like, do you have any idea? Like, that's going to change their lives. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, and that's all you, man. You know, that's, again, it goes back to what we talked about last episode, him just sharing with me this one thing. And all of a sudden it has an impact, not only the, the obvious one, like I'm hopefully going to live longer. And I'm going to get to see their kids and spend time with the grandkids. And I'm going to be around longer for hopefully, and, and, you know, I lost my dad when I was 25, hmm. you know, he died of ALS and it had nothing to do with anything necessarily he'd done or didn't do with his health. It was for lack of a better term, bad luck. You know, that's what it was. They think it might be, there's an off chance it's related to pesticide use and he was a golf professional. So it hmm. could be a thing, but you know, it wasn't related to anything he chose to do or didn't do. And I lost him at 25. So I didn't get to have that conversation when I was 40 going, Hey dad, I don't really know what to do right now. So I want to be there for yeah. my kids when they're 40 beyond that, the impact that it's having even now on, on their fitness is pretty amazing. That's some significant seed planting, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, mind and mental health is next. And you, you know, you mentioned ADHD. You've mentioned that you are consistent with a, counselor but as you look at your own propensities and whatnot what is foremost as you look at the value you have for your mental health and your mental state and solidifying that um one of the downsides to you know add is is the uh my comfort zone is incredible busyness hmm. um i i my my rest like i don't like rest but again, it's a discipline. So it's, um, outside of like a season right now with a book launch, um, 11 and a half weeks out of the year, I, I don't work nights and I don't work weekends. And that's my way of doing, you know, like taking care of my mental health. I have to have that. I have to be all in or not in. I, I half in does not work for me. It might work for some people. You know, some people you can do work while watching TV. I can't. Yeah. I can do one thing and one thing only while I'm watching television and that's stretch. <laughs> you yeah. know, I can, like, I can, I can do stretches, you know, and that's it. So yeah, for mental health, uh, one of the, one of the things again, counselor, yeah. Uh, the spiritual side impacts my mental health, exercise, all those things, right. Um, getting outside, walking, you know, supplements can all help your mental health. Um, but me, it's been learning. Um, I have read probably 150 books in the past five years on mental health, ADD, uh, mental illness and things like that. And just learning more about how the brain operates and not from a mechanical, like, you know, the cerebellum connects to the right. amygdala and all, I don't even know if they do connect for that matter. Um, but like, I've been fascinated with the brain and learning, 
you know, how we better use it. Uh, the End of Mental Illness, End of Mental Illness by Daniel Amen. Dr. Daniel Amen is one of the best books I've ever read. Um, the uh, uh, Driven to Distraction by Ed, Ed Holloway. Holloway? Hollowell, one of those two. Uh, Delivered from Distractions, another one. Uh, the ADHD Advantage, I interviewed him a, a, like five or six years ago. Uh, Dale something or another. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean, just understanding like those advantages, understanding, okay, we all have faults. Whether, you know, if you look like, look at the disc profile, I'm a high D. Great. Well, there's, there's erroneous sides to that, but there's also advantages to it. And then you look in and go, gosh, I'm a high C and that really sucks. No, it doesn't. There's a lot of advantages to that. My accountant's a high C and I'm really glad he is. Cause mm-hmm. if he was a high D, he wouldn't be my accountant. Right. You know, um, we look at all those things and if we can find those positives, I think in the, in the perceived negatives, it's not ignoring the negative. My counselor, for example, is not ignoring the fact that I have trouble with empathy. He's not saying, you know what, let's never work on that. Let's not try to increase the empathy. But if we can build number one, see the positive, I have a great ability to disconnect from personnel problems in our business and focus on the issue at hand and not really get worked up about the fact that somebody's being a client's being a jerk or something like that. Like I just, I don't really even notice it half the time, you know, I'm like, I'm focused on the issue. And then we build systems. For me, it's, we build systems around that to cope with the negative. So we build the system around the fact that my brain is going, my daughter's being spoiled and this is annoying. And selfishly, I want her to just stop. Can she please stop? Can she please stop? And I just go, you know what? I can go to my own little world. And in my head, I mean, it's funny, like, it's almost like the movies where they, they go into the person's head. And what I'm hearing in my head is I'm going, you know, I wonder if they move the Dallas Cowboys to the NFC West, <laughs> what that would do, what yeah. would be the chain reaction that that would set off in the rest of the NFC and who would need to move to what division? Uh-huh. And would that affect the rivalry between the, you know, the, the Washington and Dallas? Uh, like <laughs> That's what I'm doing. And I'm doing that because that's my coping mechanism to get her to the point where now she's back at her, you know, her happy place and we're good and there's nothing wrong with that and that was the big thing from a mental health perspective is there's nothing wrong with that i when i first started doing that i'm like i'm a bad dad i'm not even listening to her no because if i listen to her then i get worked up and i start judging her Hmm. rather than just letting her she doesn't even need me to react to her she doesn't even need me to even it's weird she doesn't even need me to hear her she just needs to verbalize it and then she's better with her. That doesn't apply to everybody just for the record. So for me, it was understanding how my brain operates. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a funny example, you know, the Cowboys and all that stuff, but like, that's how going into that place in my brain, um, has been what's helped me to to cope with those difficult situations and not devolve into now we're yelling and shouting and, you know, and I'm right and you're wrong type stuff. Well, you mentioned work a lot. That's the next focal point. And my gosh, I mean, the book is turn your passions into profits. I mean, your work is joining people in their work for yourself. I mean, it's really easy to extrapolate from the title of the book that a value, (laughs) a key value is working at what you are um, passionate about, but say it in your words. So when you look at your work, your career, your business, where it is right now, you have so many things happening. You have so many opportunities where do you encapsulate that? Okay. This is Matt's value that keeps you on the path you want to be. 
Yeah, my value is exactly what um, I can't remember if we talked about it last episode or today, but you know, our value is we want to help 25,000 people with this book to uh, to make their first dollar online, which goes right into our company value of overall of helping 100,000 people do that. So that's our mission. Um, you know, we have our, you know, in our business, you know, we have our, our core values that we live by. Like my favorite one is we don't work with jerks. <laughs> you know, we, we don't work with jerks. And so the, 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 like, well, thanks for being on my that? show. I'm, I'm, I'm relieved now that I didn't fit that category. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, but like, if you think about it, like how does that affect us from a daily, uh, you know, a daily standpoint in our business? And yeah. it's like, you know, you are not allowed to mistreat one of my uh, team members. You, you are just not allowed to do it. Uh, if I hear about it, we fire you as a client. You know, now if it's a if it's a mild mistreatment and I okay, it's an understatement, you know, and and then they apologize and they say, hey, I'm so sorry, I mistreated, you know, Kate the other day, and it's because I man, I just honestly I'd found out some bad news or whatever. All right, cool, you know, don't let it happen again, man. You know, but like that's one of our core values. We have a core value. We're constantly learning as a company. So, at a minimum. Um, every six weeks we're doing some sort of a learning together as a team. Uh, you know, one of my, we're reading books right now. We're reading a book right now as a team. We got another book coming up. We go through courses as a team. We meet together as a team and learn together. You go, how do you have, how do you have an hour a week? You only have 40 hours roughly to work. How can you spend an hour every week? That's 2.5% of our work year that we spend learning together. Uh, I'll give you one example that comes to mind. We're, we're right now, we're just finishing up the book Influence by Robert Cialdini. Mm. It's a book I've read four times, maybe five. I've listened to another five times. I already know all the principles. I know everything in that book. I can quote entire chapters in the book practically. We're reading it together as a team. I show up. We're talking. And one of the guys says, you know, like he said something about, yeah, you know, you need relatable testimonials and blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, my gosh you know what we're missing on the book website? And I know you'll share the URL later. I'm like, we have, we have Kevin Harrington and Michael Hyatt and Pat Flynn and Dan Miller and all these big names saying Matt's book is great and Matt's great. And he's done all this stuff. We had nobody on there going, Hey, Matt helped me make my first $10,000. Mm. <laughs> we had not one person on there saying anything relatable to the average person who's going to read the book. I went, oops. We screwed up, guys. We need to add those today. That came because we met as a team. So you go, how can you spend 2.5% of your time every year meeting about the courses you're taking or the books you're reading together? That's why. Because so much good stuff comes out of it. Um, huh. The other one, like just, just from our core value standpoint, we have we have seven of them. But the one that I that I love as a company is we ruthlessly protect our downtime. Now, we work hard. But when we're off, we're off. I have no expectation of anybody outside of a couple of weeks per year when we have a big thing like this going on. Nobody needs to reply after 6 p.m. Nobody needs to reply on a weekend. If you want to work because you, you know, you want to take Monday afternoon off because you've got a kid's function and you want to work Saturday, go right ahead. I don't care. But like I will not send a message over the weekend in Slack, which is what we use internally to communicate. I will schedule that message for 9 a.m. Monday morning. And so we protect it. And my team knows like, okay, if literally there's something going wrong, it's 8 p.m. and I'm working, meaning they're working and something goes wrong and I have to text Matt 
because I cannot get through this problem without his help, I will. But they know that as much as I protect their time, they also protect my time, which allows me to, again, be totally focused on whatever it is I'm doing with, you know, my family or by myself. And so, um, again, it goes back to what I said earlier, those systems, those structures, the non-negotiables, like, I didn't think about it until just now, but that's how we operate our business. We have non-negotiables. We don't work when we're not supposed to. We don't work with jerks. We don't not, like we build the, the, the structure in that it's like Tuesdays at three. I think that's when we meet. Tuesdays at two, sorry. Tuesdays at two, we meet as a team to discuss whatever we're learning, you know? And that's just on my calendar. So I can't screw it up. I can't not do it. And that's how we do that. You know, as a company, that's what works for us. That's interesting that ruthlessly protect our downtime. And yet a minute ago, you also said that your comfort zone is incredible busyness, which man, again, Mm -hmm. I relate to, uh, it's always been a terminology in my head that I I can be addicted to production. If I'm not producing, I don't, I'm not comfortable. And especially if there's a stress or a worry, I, my comfort zone to deal with that is get busy and start doing and yet, yeah. so to ruthlessly protect your downtime, I assume you're having to deal with some deeper issues like, man, I'm worried about that. I'm concerned about that, mm-hmm. but I got to let, so you're talking about some significant letting go faith even. It, it is, but it's also finding something else to keep me busy. I can go out and do yard work. Uh, I mean, we've reached the point in life, like I'm so grateful for this and I don't mean this to brag, but we've reached a point where I don't have to hire. I mean, I don't have to do the yard work myself. Yeah. But mowing is therapy for me because I get to go out. I've probably listened to, oh, easily 300 hours of you over the years on a mower or with a weed whacker in my hand or a chainsaw, you know, or picking up sticks in the yard, putting down mulch. And you think about that, like I could, I could just hire people like we have, we have the means now, thankfully to do that, but that's. That's my therapy. Like if I took away my mowing time, well, I don't know what I would do with it other than work or, you know, and, and, and then it's also an opportunity for me and the kids to go out. Like I remember one day I went out, I woke up the next day and my legs hurt so bad. I was like, I did not do legs yesterday. I'm like, I did shoulders in the gym. Why do my leg? Oh, cause Giovanni and I picked up sticks for like three hours, which meant that I was basically bending yeah, over. Right you know, two, 3000 times. That's why my hamstring, I, so I can't, I can't bend over and touch my toes right now. <laughs> you know, my hamstrings are so tight. We did that for three hours together. We didn't even barely even talked, but we were together, you know, doing something. We, we built the, we took the sticks and we built the fire and just for three hours, all we did was maintain the fire and pick up sticks, yeah. but that's quality time together. Yeah. You know, if you think about it. And so, for me, it's not like, I don't have to be busy with work. It doesn't have to be work. My, my nature is it goes to work, but as long as I find something else to do, um, it could be busy for me. So I'm like, well, this isn't productive. Busy for me is intentionally sitting down to watch a movie with my wife. Yeah. And my point is if I'm picking up sticks with my kids and I've, and you know, like this Saturday afternoon, we don't bug Matt and I don't bug you, you know, I'm still doing something productive. I cleared the yard of sticks you know, I clean the kitchen. Um, like our half bath is really clean all the time because that's the one I go to when it's like, you know, I'm like, I need something to do. I'll just go clean the half bath. 
because I don't have to I don't have to go upstairs. <laughs> you know, it's not like a whole bathroom. I just need something to do yeah. for 20 minutes and I can do that. So they have a really clean half bath, you know. Oh, um, again, same kind of thing. It's just it's something for me to do productive. Yeah, it reminds me of my often co-host, Dr. Randy James, talking about the hard yeah. work, the hard work of relaxation. Uh, that typifies it well. And the next one is money, Matt. Money, finances, wealth. I saw a Facebook post from you, I think in the past week. And here I pulled out a quote. You ready? You don't know. Oh, what, you don't know what it is. Do you? I don't know what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing scandalous. Okay. I, I, I left those alone. It said, I vacillate between wanting to change the world and wanting to be independently wealthy by the end of next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Um, I mean, it's again, it goes back to the whole premise of the book, you know, like, can, can we have both? Can we have what we're passionate about that's having an impact and an influence on the world? And by world, I mean, like we think, again, world doesn't have to be the entire world. You do not have to be like the leader of the United Nations, just to be clear. World could be everybody in your world, everybody who's an accountant, everybody who wants to get in shape, everybody who's over the age of 65 and wants to start a side hustle, everybody who wants to grow vegetables in their yard in an urban environment. Like that's your world and your business, right? Um, so whatever that is. That's, that's the world you're going to change. And it's, it's that, it's that mental vacillation. Like I want to do that. And I want to have all the things that I want, you know, from a financial side, um, you know, money management, I mentioned, you know, my wife used to work for Dave Ramsey. Um, I was so blessed. Um, I was in college fall of 2000. I forgot to pay the cable bill. So what they do, I don't know if you guys know this, but they turn your cable off. Mm Mm-hmm. I was so dumb that I I didn't understand why and I didn't know like what do I do so I just was like I'll turn on the radio and good old WTN 997 in Nashville Tennessee Dave Ramsey this guy Dave Ramsey comes on and he kind of sounded cool and then of course you know 3 months later he has this guy Dan Miller on what year well, Matt if you if you could guess 2000. 2000 okay yeah Oh, I know exactly when it was. It was it was right before I left to go back home before Christmas break in two thousand. Uh, when I when I heard your dad, I mean, I would have never imagined. You know, fast forward fifteen years later, I'd be friends with Dan Miller, or that you know I would know Dave Ramsey. Like that's it's stupid. <laughs> you know, that would never happen. But I listened to this guy Dave Ramsey, and so for us, it starts like you know, I'm not here to practice. You know, say you got to follow Dave's plan. It's the only plan you can possibly follow. Um, yeah. I mean, the obvious stuff, we, we live on less than we make. We save uh, personally, and I, I'm not endorsing this. I'm just saying this is what works for us. We're, most of our investments are in, um, in mutual funds, most are um, uh, in uh, index funds. You know, we divide it up. We have some in big companies, you know, the Coca-Colas and the Apples of the world. We have some in, you know, risky startups. We have some in mid, you know, mid-cap companies, and we have some international uh just doing great. The portfolio is wonderful. We make about what we're supposed to make every year, 11 and a half, you know, percent on average. Uh, so we're letting our money work for us. Uh, we do a budget. We mostly stick to it. <laughs> you know, like I'll admit that occasionally we go a little over. Um, and occasionally we spend less, you know, like we just, for whatever reason, we just didn't spend very much that month on certain things. And yeah. uh, we do all the things that, you know, there's no other, I wish I could say there was some magical thing that we do that's better than what everybody else does. And Kevin, let me share you the three things I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Uh, do all the stuff you've probably heard from every other guest. 
Don't do anything that you don't understand. If you don't understand something financially, you have two choices. Completely ignore it, which is what I do about 75% of the time. I just decide, you know what? I'm never going to do that. And I don't care if I miss it. I have no FOMO financially. Yeah. I just have none. I personally did not invest in crypto. And I'm not saying that somebody who does is wrong. I just didn't feel like I don't care enough about it to take the time to learn about it. And I don't invest in stuff I don't understand. You know, so that's number one. And then the second option is then learn about it. You know, so there've been a few things I really wanted to understand. For instance, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm a student of history. So I got really into economics. Like just what is economics? Like why we just say that like the economy, what the heck is the economy? Like I was like, I literally just asked that question one day. So I went on about a year long. I probably read 100 and 20 books over the course of about a year, year and a half from different perspective. I read, uh, I read socialist books. I read libertarian books. I read in the middle books. I read kids books. Uh, there's a book I read that my daughter read before me about economics that I read. Cause it was like the most simplistic thing, but I was like, Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. And I learned how that stuff works, which helped me to manage our finances. That's uh, that's, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's uh that's not my strongest suit in my most educated place of business. Thank goodness there's people out there like we talked about in the first show, CPAs and such yeah. that I can turn to. Man, the last one, Matt, is achievements. And I appreciate you talking about that, having way back then <laughs> tuning into the radio station here in Dave and Dan, people that you know today, and just the fruition of that. But when you look at the achievements and, and interest, what springs to mind as some key values. You know, I'm in a season in life where, um, you know, the kids are playing soccer and they're, they're at the age, especially my daughter. Uh, this is the last year I'll ever coach her. Hmm. Uh, reason I didn't grow up playing soccer. I don't know a ton about soccer. Um, I know about motivation. I know how to get, I, I know how to get her to do the basic thing and them, her team to do the basic things. And we've had a really, you know, successful time, you know, coaching her. Uh, but next year, you know, she's at that point where um, she's going to be too good. I, I can't help her anymore. You know, with soccer, she needs better coaching. Um, and, and, and so our son being seven, you know, I've got another probably two years with him, maybe three. So I'm taking every advantage of that. Like for my achievements are just like, am I, again, I have never missed a practice. That's how of when I had COVID. Never missed a practice. Never missed. A, uh, the only games I miss are when they have games at different times in different places. No. Or, separ- or same time in different places. Uh, we finished one game. Like I, I literally finished a game with my son. I took him out five minutes before the end of the game. Let the, uh, the assistant took over and we hauled so we could beat traffic out of the soccer complex and drove two and a half hours away to Ohio to show up just in time for her game. And I showed up there and I was there on the sidelines and she came over and gave me the biggest hug. Mm. You know, daddy was there and you know what? Maybe I couldn't have made it. Maybe his, he would have had another game that afternoon. If his game had been an hour later, I wouldn't have been there. And that's, you know, it is what it is, but I did make it because I'm going to make everyone that I possibly can. So I'm at a season in life where it's, it's my life is incredibly boring in that regard. You know, I don't have a ton of personal hobbies. I love, I love exercising. I love challenging myself. Like my thing is like uh, every month I'm, I do a push up challenge. Can I just do one more than I did in mm. an hour? You know, the last time, 
And I, sure enough, most months I, I hit my, you know, I'm doing a little bit better than I did last month. Um, I love doing things like that. I love going for walks and just enjoying, you know, nature. Um, those are like my hobbies. It's kind of boring, you know, um, outside of some of the other stuff that we talked about. But then it's like, I've got this very short period of time, this very short window in the scheme of life where I get this amazing opportunity to do something with my kids like that. So I'm kind of all in on that uh, as far as the hobbies go. And, and maybe I'll, I don't know if I feel like that's ever, if I feel like it ever goes too far, because it's not about them being better. It's not about how they do on the soccer field. It's It's not about that. It's about like, that's a really amazing time together. And if I feel like that ever goes too far and I'm not doing self-care, yeah, uh, I can pull back on it. But yeah. honestly, it it is kind of self-care. Like I get so much joy out of it that I, I don't want to go play golf. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to play golf. I just don't want to. Like go to play soccer with my kids for two hours or go play nine holes, pff, soccer all day long. You know, like that's where I'm at right now. And if that ever changes, then I'll change it. And again, I kind of do build, like I said, structure around that. Like, here's the times when we're going to do it and here's what we're going to do. And I build that around that because it, it, you know, keeps it exciting and fresh for me. Well, there's the culture of Matt. Mick Williams right there, <laughs> man. I appreciate it. Thank you for, uh, you gave me, fun. gave me a lot of, uh, things to ponder and yeah, we, I relate and, and, quite quite a bit um but man that's right there folks there take that there's your homework there's your homework start start with this show what matt just shared share yours come to matt and help him have him help you turn your passions into profits man thank you for the behind the scenes thanks for the time thanks for the encouragement and the inspiration matt it's a gift my pleasure kevin thank you I hope you folks with ADHD and or low empathy like Matt and myself have found some comfort in the show and hope everyone got inspiration and ideas. Again, you can pre-order Matt's book, Turning Passions Into Profits now at passionsintoprofitsbook.com slash self. You'll get over $700 of bonuses. You can see them listed there, passionsintoprofitsbook.com slash self. And thank you, as always, for choosing to tune into the Self-Helpful Podcast. It'd be great if you left a review. The best thing you can do is just keep the discussion going. Talk about what you heard here with someone else so it really gets ingrained in your noggin. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.